Hey there, hi there, ho there, and hello there, and welcome back to another exciting edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour Podcast, where we discuss the joy and excitement of U of L women's sports with you, and we have some wins to discuss on today's broadcast. That's always a good thing to do. Also, some fun events coming up for the cards in the near future, so we'll we'll go over all that today, and we've also got a non-conference women's ball women's basketball schedule that we'll uh, break out to you. And if time allows, maybe do a little self-analysis on that one. But uh, it is out there, although we have no times yet. And uh, pretty soon we'll see the schedule in its entirety when the ACC decides to release what they've got. So a lot of fun things lined up for you in today's broadcast. As usual, we like to kind of talk with the guys. We've got four of us on board today. Daryl's being batty down on the river. <laughs> which means the, the Louisville Bats are playing this afternoon. So she's not with us, but we have Case, Jared, Jeff, and myself, Polly. So let's kind of catch up with the guys here a little bit and see what's been going on with them this week. Uh, Jared, you've had a, a busy week snapping photos, and you were kind of discussing with us the way that the month of November looked for you and traveling to Lexington. Yeah, I got out, and I was able to capture – Earlier in the week, a uh, men's soccer match, and then yesterday went over to the volleyball home opener and uh, talk about an exciting match, certainly one that uh, is going to be hard to top this year, I'm, I'm sure of. But yeah, looking ahead at the schedule, uh, planning to head to Lexington with uh, men's soccer this coming week, and I think a few of us are looking at going to Lexington the week after for volleyball at UK, and the women's basketball non-conference schedules just got released, so we see that they're heading to UK at some point. I was just looking at the, the date, but it's coming up in the near future. And then, obviously, football's at UK, so uh, I may be spending a lot of time out in that Blue Blood territory. So, you know, hoping to make it back in one piece after all those visits. You just get yourself a month stay at a hotel up there pretty inexpensively, right? <laughs> I don't think I have enough points quite yet. Not quite. Okay. It's it's an easy drive, so you can do it. You're, you'll be fine with it. And the way you drive, you'll be there in 20 minutes. So <laughs> no problem. One day says I'll teleport be so much quicker. It's, it, yeah, I mean, seriously, it's just a wonder that thing hasn't left the ground already the way that you get <laughs> uh, 64. Standard for you know, the old Louisville International Airport would be saying, well, we got Jared uh, <laughs> spotted outside of Shelbyville uh, flying to the altitude of Okay, so let's go to Case here. Case, how's your week been? What's up, bud? Yeah, it's been good. Just a pretty normal week. Um, happy to have a little three-day weekend here before I go on vacation the following week, so that'll be um, nice to, to get away and get some time off work. But uh, other than that, it's been pretty straightforward, getting really wrapped into um, the new job fully and uh, all that goes along with that but it's it's, uh it's not been very exciting really got to go to muscle and burger bar last night that was tasty Um, but it's not it's not as exciting now since it's right down the street from work and vendors choose that as our lunch option pretty frequently there's there's worse certainly it's true for sure oh yeah for sure uh, so case are you gonna list your top burger joints around town for us uh i won't be doing that no He went for the muscles, Jared, not the burgers. Yeah, he, he's pumped now. He's standing in front of the mirror before the broadcast going, look at these muscles. <laughs> Wrong muscles. Okay. Uh, yeah, one of the things that impresses me here, Case, is you got vacation time so soon after starting a new job. Nice. Nice work. Yeah, it's one of those situations where um, I'm going to be borrowing against a little bit, maybe like one day. But I, I, I accrue at a pretty nice rate. Um, it's one of the things that endeared me to the hire was that they were bringing me on um, at vacation accrual rate as if I had always worked there uh, for my uh, experience level. So that was a nice little perk. So accruing it pretty quick. So borrow against uh, vacation time for the future. But uh, this is the annual Hilton Head trip. So not a whole lot of other vacation time planned in the fall anyway, fall and winter. Some And some of that can be negotiation of part of getting a job you say hey i've got this vacation planned you know about it ahead of time and it just is what it is yeah that's that's pretty much the way that it went yeah 
Golden Head impressive, and certainly I know that the folks in Faraday will be glad that you're not going to spend two weeks there. So, nicely done, sir. <laughs> Jeff, what's been going on with you this week, my friend? Uh, it's been a good week, man. I've got for me, I've gotten to watch uh, two volleyball matches now this week in person. It's it's been great. Uh, drove down uh, to Bowling Green Wednesday evening. Watched that one, drove back, uh, kind of a late night. Uh, my sleep was a little screwed up for a little while. I had a couple of nights I didn't sleep well anyway, and then a late night getting in Wednesday night. So Thursday, I was pretty pretty wiped. But uh, got a good night, sleep Thursday night. Uh, got to go to watch volleyball last night, mailing in, home opener. Uh, more on that. Uh, obviously, volleyball is doing well so far, so that puts me in a good, good mood. So in addition to, you know, it's a good week of work. So that's always nice. And it looks like ESPN Plus has fallen in love with at least your sandals, if not you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they did show you, uh, I think, three times leading cheers. Yeah, yeah. I think, they got me, I think they got me some last night also on ACC Network Extra. Uh, and then also ESPN Plus uh, on Wednesday night. So, yeah. I missed that one well, the, the home yeah. match isn't quite as um, shocking, I guess you could say. They're, they're well aware yeah. of your antics. Yes. Around, yes. Around FCU. Yeah. So uh, I was uh, so the the volley talk forums are kind of the volleyball forums on the internet where people you know volley, volleyball fans get together. I actually had somebody ask me in the in the match thread, "Hey, was that you I saw on camera with the long hair and the cargo shorts?" <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> no, it was my alias. A wild yeah. Jeff in his natural habitat. Right. Sandals, and, right. sandals, and cargo shorts. That's right. A rare spotting in foreign territory. Long hair, sandals, and cargo shorts. It's kind of my brand now. So <laughs> There you go. Hey, at least, you know, if we have to go identify the body, we'll know. All right. <laughs> yeah, the hair's long enough. Uh, yeah. He's got the cargo shorts on it. No, nah, he's wearing a Purdue t-shirt. It's not him. Yeah. All right. As for me, I had uh, just kind of uneventful week, except kind of watching U of L women's athletics and sports and things like that, which I certainly enjoyed the ball since there were a bunch of wins in there. And I've also got a bone to pick with the University of Louisville Hospital, and I'll get that out of the way real quickly here. As they, uh, they invite you down to have some tests and stuff like that, which I'm undergoing, you know, these days, and they tell you where to park. What they don't tell you where to park is that they're not going to validate your parking and it's about two blocks away from where you're actually parking from the hospital. Not fun. Plus, I had to take my wife with me. And so when we get down there, I asked the guy where I get this thing validated. He goes, oh, I don't know. You better check with the, them up there. I asked him at the front desk. No, we don't validate for that garage. Well, <laughs> why did you tell me to park there if you're not going to validate it? Yeah, I guess we need to correct that. <laughs> Yes, that would be a good idea. I would certainly appreciate that. Oh, so, gee, yeah. thanks. Big, big, yeah. And big plus, yeah. man. And uh, so anyway, yeah, it's just one of those things. That's fine. You know, at least I didn't have to trek halfway across the county. And somebody said, you know, you're 65 now. You're on Medicare. You ought to call wheels to come pick you up. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I, what are they going to, you know, they got me there, but when are they going to pick me up to take me home? Yeah. I could be sitting there, you know. <laughs> 12 hours from that. Uh, his wheels on the way. Where are you at again, sir? Yeah, so. <laughs> Anyhow, enough on that. But uh, this is uh, the uh, time of the show where we normally get into a little scheduling and Twitter information in case you've got a full plate, as it were, to discuss with us. Yes, indeed. Uh, the big one for the university, not necessarily for us to cover, but uh, football does start today. Um I was shocked at the number of Thursday night games there were this season uh, for opening night. Uh, I almost wouldn't have wanted my team to be one because, yeah, you get to play on the first day, but there's so much other attention to be split. So either way, Louisville football plays tonight. They're at Syracuse at 8 p.m. That one's on ACC Network. Uh, Got to win that game, I think. Um, <laughs> should be pretty straightforward, you would hope. But uh, on to the other sports. Volleyball is hosting Ohio State versus San Diego. Um, the Cards will be hoping that that one goes five sets, I believe, since they'll take on the Buckeyes tomorrow. Yeah. That's uh, right. Wear them out. <laughs> yeah. That one is listed with live video, so I assume it's on ACC Network Extra. Um, it's uh, I thought it was Flow Sports. Flow Volleyball. Oh, that's right. It's Flow. Yeah. Um, I don't know why not put it on ACC Network Extra, but yeah. I guess just because an ACC team's not participating. Yeah. 
Um, but it'll probably be the ACC network broadcast setup, I'm sure. Um, yeah, the equipment and everything, I'm sure. Yeah, that one is at 5 p.m., uh, and you could probably go if you were so inclined. Field hockey takes on Princeton tomorrow from 11, at 11 a.m. from Chapel Hill. That one is on ACC Network Extra for sure. Uh, women's soccer is at 1 p.m. at uh, James Madison, uh, taking on the hosting Dukes in that three-way event. Um, that will be on ESPN Plus, as far as I am aware. Yeah, who does it? And volleyball takes on Ohio State at 2 p.m. That one will be on ACC Network proper. Uh, that one is going to be a big one. Uh, Ohio State ranked 12th, I believe. Is that right, Jeff? Ranked 12th, but at the moment they're 0-2. So so uh, looking yeah. to uh, tumble down the order yeah. unless they can that, pick up a win today and tomorrow. To be fair, that two was against Texas, the number one team in the country right now. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just a question. We don't know how good Ohio State really is yet. So, yeah, I, I think today yeah. will be very telling. Um, yes. San Diego has... Uh, proven that the match against Penn State or against Pittsburgh uh, to start the season was not a fluke. Uh, right. Uh, Monday's an off day for everybody. Tuesday, as Jared alluded to, men's soccer heads to Lexington for the Battle of the Bluegrass. Uh, that one's at 7.30 p.m. It's on SEC Network Plus. Uh, so that's a paid on top of ESPN Plus, I think. I can never remember what theirs. Theirs is so awkward. Um, but who cares? Because uh, it's... Lexington, um, and their product yeah. is poor. <laughs> Women's soccer is hosting Indiana uh, at 7.30 p.m. on f- Thursday, so uh, hopefully can finally make it out to another home game after <laughs> missing so many of them. Uh, SEC Network Plus is the streaming version of SEC Network. Yeah. So it's yes, not, but I, I don't remember. Is it not uh, paid plus? It's no. like ESPN oh, it's, Plus, I thought. It's, it's the equivalent of ACC Network Extra. Gotcha. Uh, they may have changed that because I'm, I feel confident yeah. that it used to be paid extra. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the women's soccer versus Indiana. Let's see. Looks like that will be on ACC Network Extra. That took me to a watch ESPN link. Uh, Seven thirty p.m. on Thursday. Friday football plays again. They take on UCF in Orlando at seven thirty on ESPN two. Uh, and then men's golf opens their season in the Maui Gym Intercollegiate Invitational in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, oh, it took me a second to figure out what that <laughs> what that event was. Uh, is volleyball hosting another Louisville <laughs> another Louisville named <laughs> tournament? Uh, it's not confusing at all. But yeah. they are hosting the Louisville Invitational starting on Friday. That's Xavier versus Lipscomb at 4 p.m. Louisville will take on P- Purdue at 7 p.m. So following that match. And then field hockey will take on the Dukes of JMU uh, following soccer. That will happen at 5 on Friday afternoon. So that gets us through what is a little bit of a chaotic schedule. But as for Twitter, I tweet as at best case scenario, BSTK scenario. Polly is at Cardinal Couple. Jeff is at Card Couple Radio and at Jeff McAdams. Jared is at Mr. Anderson Jared and Daryl is at Daryl Faust 4. And as always, you can check out the right side of the Cardinal Couple website for the Twitter list of all of the UofL women's athletics and general UofL uh, sporting news. Keep up with all that. Absolutely so. Make sure and, of course, follow us all on Twitter. Always some good comments out there by the gang here. And also make sure and read Cardinal Couple every day. That's right. Your doctor recommends that for you along with a good diet. Read Cardinal Couple and to check out the various things that we're writing about. Case had a great article up there today, and he also did Friday. And we're, we're, we've got even money right now that just going to somehow convince him to do Sunday. We'll see how that turns out. No <laughs> dice. As we'll call it a case weekend, just no in d- case. No dice. No, he's already rolled the dice and said, no, not going to happen. So, okay. But yeah, certainly read Cardinal Couple every day. We've always got some good stuff in there, either covering events, discussing events that are coming up or discussing things that are going on down the road that may not be exactly exactly event-oriented, but things that are going on with the squads that we cover for Louisville women's sports, for sure. 
But uh, no, we had a lot of fun stuff going on in the last couple of days here as far as events goes. We kind of talked about starting out with volleyball this morning. So we'll go ahead and, and, and do that. This volleyball was at the Illinois Federal Credit Union last night to take on number 15, San Diego. The Orders coming in to face the cards, a team that had gained a bit of recognition and notoriety with us here because they had defeated Pittsburgh to start their season out. We kind of wondered what type of match they would give Louisville, and they did actually win a set against the cards, the first squad to do that this year. But the cards ended up and took the match by 3-1 margin. Uh, Jeff was out there watching from the seats. Jared was out there taking pictures. Case not following on the internet. So let's go ahead and start with Jeff. Uh, a three to one win over a very yep. good team. Yeah, eliminated our you know undefeated insets, but you know obviously nobody really expected that to go the whole season. But uh, yeah, first team to take a set off of us this year. Uh, it's obviously still a fairly young year. Uh, a very good team in the San Diego team. They were in the preseason rankings. They were 25th, and then they jumped up to, what was it, 18th or 15th, something like that, uh, after knocking off Pitt uh, in the first weekend. And that's uh, obviously that was a big win for them. Uh, it was a good team. Uh, just watching them, I was really impressed with them. Their setter is very, very good. It's great hands. Um, not as mobile as ours is. I've, I've you know, saying Raquel Lazaro's mobility a lot, uh, the praise is there, and but uh, their setter, uh, Blossom is her name, Timber Blossom, Gabby Blossom, yeah, uh, is, you know, was not as mobile, but certainly had very good hands, very good on target with, with her set, so made it a really challenging match, uh, good team, a lot of great talent there, so um, you've all really spread the offense around, I think the thing I noticed mostly out of the box score was the kills uh, among our five main offensive uh, attackers, uh, Coach Jose, Akko Jones, Anna DeBeer, Amaya Tolman, and Kara Cressy. Uh, that was 15, 15, 8, 7, and 6. It's a pretty good spread uh, of, of attacking across the really the five attacking options in a, in a lineup. Um, Percentage-wise, uh, not super high in a lot of those cases. Uh, credit San Diego's defense on that. They're they blocked well. They had pretty good digs. Um, we did better, but, you know, they certainly did well in those areas as well. So, yeah, uh, a lot of exciting uh, play. Um, very competitive in a lot of ways, but then also kind of not competitive a couple of times. A couple of the sets scores were kind of blowouts, uh, but um, they went back and forth being blowouts. So, um, yeah, uh, credit. Like I said, credit San Diego, very good team. They're, they're going to be, you know, in the talk and in their rankings all year, I think, which is kind of like, you know, where have they been in the past? Um, they've always been okay, but never spectacular. But I think they're really kind of showing that they're ready to, to play at the national level. So um, good stuff. Um, yeah, uh, exciting, very warm in the gym. Uh, you know, sold out crowd uh, in early September on a hot day with, you know, a lot of people in there, uh, it just, you know, was very warm. So a lot of, a lot of sweating and being uncomfortable, but a lot of fun. Of course, of course, uh, now look forward to a match on Sunday after that win. Uh, Jared, you were, you were down there. The win, obviously a good one for Louisville, but that second set was just kind of uh, rough, uh, what did you see in that second set that caused us to kind of uh, not look so good? I think the second set was more uh, maybe the cards just getting a little comfortable at that point in the season. They had won 13 straight sets. So maybe being a little bit too far in over their heads at that point, and then you start to see a couple things go wrong. There's definitely quite a bit of panic at one point, and you could see that especially with some of the the passing and then the miscommunication on uh, who was supposed to, you know, go for the attack. Uh, so it, uh, it's early season. You still have a couple of new faces, maybe uh, trying to gel out a couple of things here and there. I wasn't overly worried, seeing as it's just one set. San Diego's a great team. I was more curious how they were going to bounce back out of the half, uh, which actually they came out on the six-one run to start the second half, uh, and then really just dominated that third set. Really impressed with that. 
Uh, so it's one of those, uh, you know, sometimes you might need to just take a grain of salt with how a set looks because in the end, it's one set. You know, they still got the 3-1 win. Uh, showed a lot of maturity and, you know, poised to be able to come out in that third set really come out swinging and get back to your style of play. Makes you wonder what Danny Buston Kelly said or maybe didn't say out in the, the locker room and then if some other players possibly took some leadership and stepped up and uh, had some words of encouragement in the there at halftime as well. Uh, yeah, and it's a set, and as Jeff mentioned, San Diego is a very good team, so I'm, I wasn't too worried there. I think it was my mother that pointed out uh, to me that uh, that second set where the wheels, wheels really kind of fell, fell apart for Louisville was the first time that Louisville had been playing on that side of that court in almost three years. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, because COVID, they weren't switching sides. They're back to switching sides this year. So, I, I don't know how much that really impacts it, but it is kind of curious to see that uh, that correlation. I could see that playing more of an, I guess, more of an impact than it might seem. Yeah. Because Side that arena is so yeah. asymmetrical. Yeah. You're looking yeah. at a very different viewpoint when yeah. you're on one end or the other versus a lot of arenas that they play in a lot of volleyball and basketball arenas are very symmetrical. Um, the L and federal credit union arena post renovation is not has, has some distinct differences on each side. Yeah. Yeah. You got a wall compared to a glass wall. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much that impact that plays, but it was an interesting observation nonetheless. Well, of course able to rebound after that second set of loss took the final two sets there to win a match three to one but they kind of held my girl had the beer down a little bit in the total number of kills she got jeff and should i be worried about that or were they keen specifically on her to stop her what i actually talked with anna after the match briefly and uh she said and her mother said i talked to her mother as well she said what they were trying to do was trying trying to focus on this on the middles more uh trying to bring san diego's blocking more into the middle to free up uh, the pin headers. Um, Iko on the right side just said, yep, I'm just going to take over this game. Uh, but a little less so with Claire and Anna on the left side. Uh, Claire did fairly well. Anna struggled a little more, like you said. Uh, but, you know, I think they were trying to pull into the center and, and emphasize that middle attack a little more. I mean, that's that's a strong attack for us just in general. So we do that a lot anyway, but I think there was a little extra emphasis on it last night. So that may be why you know, some of, you know, Anna's hitting may have been a little less on. She's had fewer attempts, I think, than she normally gets. So Yeah, I think um, the stats bear that out just quickly to put on that is Iko was about twice as efficient as both Claire and um, yeah. Anna because Iko and was 15 that's to 24. typical right side versus left side because left side's kind of your outlet if you have a yeah. moderately passed ball and you're trying to get a set outlet. That they just kind of have to deal with all the garbage on the left side. So. Yeah, Anna, I mean, Iko, like I said, 15 of 24. Anna had about the same number of attempts with 28, but only eight kills. And then Claire had the same number of kills with 15, but, you know, 43 attempts. So <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a, a weird uh, weird quirk there. But I think it bears out what you were describing about, about the, yeah. the movement towards the middle. As the cards will now... Kind of review that one, talk about that one a little bit. Uh, I think the, the thing that grabbed me is this thing was still really competitive late into the fourth set as San Diego by no way, shape, and form was ready to say, hey, we're out of here, we'll see you later. They actually had, had it tied at 21-21. The guards that were able to actually go up 24-23 but unable to close it out to regulation. But it was a very short overtime period as they take it 26-24. Uh, how nervous were you getting down there, Jared, watching this thing, possibly with the advent of going into a fifth set? Uh, the possibility of it happening did cross my mind a few times, and it just adds, I guess, to the excitement when you go to a five-setter, but I'd certainly rather win it sooner than that, so there's less risk of losing. But, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of nerves, but also I think this Louisville team is – both talented and experienced enough that, you know, I wouldn't be overly concerned if we went to a five-setter, especially at home with the home crowd on our side. So there you have it. The cards will bounce back Sunday. 
Brandon, Ohio State. What do we know about the Buckeyes in volleyball, Jeff? Not a lot. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, they have, I think they only have played two matches at this point. Uh, both were against uh, the number one team, ranked team in the country right now, Texas. Uh, both were wins by Texas, which, you know, you kind of expect. Um, so you kind of don't know a whole lot about them yet, uh, just because, you know, you lose to the number one team in the country. That's kind of expected, and you just that you don't learn too much about them from another team perspective. And I'm sure the coaching staff is looking film from uh, that Texas match. They'll be there in person tonight when they're playing San Diego. So they'll be able to, be able to see them in person, see how they handle San Diego, work with the team and understand their tendencies. Um, I have not seen them play, so I don't have that more uh, actual play oriented look at it. But, um, you know, as, as a casual fan, just looking at schedules and, and results, and it's, it's hard to draw too many conclusions on this. Um, I very subjectively, I look at Ohio State and think maybe they're a bit overrated, but I don't have anything really to hang my hat on with that. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, this evening. And then tomorrow, I think that'll, that'll be really telling for this Ohio State team. If, I mean, if they go 0-4 to open the season uh, after this weekend, um, that could be bad news for them. Um, they, I'm sure they're one to at least pick up one win this weekend um to really kind of say hey no wait we're really we really are a serious contender here um so they're they're going to be motivated uh I, I just don't know really if if they're a really put together team yet just haven't seen it yet to know we shall see what happens for the number three ranked guards as they continue and we can play uh, to actually start the day on friday louisville field hockey was in action playing at Karen Shelton Stadium down in North Carolina. But no, it was not the Tar Heels. This was the ACC Ivy League kind of cross-referencing match-off that they do. Uh, I think we've done it with the AC. I think the ACC's done it with the Ivy League in the past, but I'm trying to think it. Maybe this used to be a Big Ten kind of swap out, if I remember correctly. In any event, the cards drew Penn to start at Karen Shelton Stadium and handled them four to one in the opening game of the Ivy League crossover. It's, uh, Katie Schneider, Cardinal fans know her name well, had two goals in this one. Amy Plum added one, and Kaz, Amelia Kazmarsik, also had a goal as the cards. Got a good effort out of Sasha Elliott as well in goalkeep and get the four to one win. So, a nice start for Louisville, starting out three to one to begin this one. Uh, case in, in looking at this one, Louisville left no doubt that they were going to handle this game pretty well, and I think that the cards showed that uh, a little bit of patience goes a long way against a pen team that was very methodical, and also a pen team that didn't really try to force the issue too much. Well, they didn't need to do much trying to force it. Uh, they spent a lot of time in Louisville's offensive third. Um, Louisville really. Uh, when you look at the stats, it's kind of like how, how did one, how did one of these teams, how did Louisville beat the team? When you look at the stats, that won this game four to one. Um, Penn had nine corners compared to just two for Louisville. Um, but what really helped Louisville out was Sasha Elliott again being fantastic in goal. Uh, the team was really great defensively. Uh, Penn Penn ended with twelve shots and nine on frame, but they didn't get a shot out of all nine of those corners. Um, they converted one out of nine, so an, another great penalty kill effort from Louisville, which I keep calling the penalty corner wins uh, penalty kills, even though there are yellow cards and you can have an actual man or player disadvantage <laughs> that you would need to, to kill as a penalty, like in like you would call in regular hockey. But that's beside the point. Um, Louisville only had two corners, but they did convert one of those, which is good to see. Um it just came down to efficiency for Louisville. Like I said, converting one of two corners compared to one of nine for Penn uh, and put seven of their eight total shots uh, on frame and scored four of them. So it, it's good to get the win. Uh, definitely helpful that Louisville had already played two games and this was Penn's opener. I think that uh, Penn might have been shaking off a bit of rust. Uh, and I think that Louisville having the lead early and then having the two-goal lead before the, the 
corner onslaught for Penn really began uh, was very helpful to their confidence and, and pushed them forward in this one. Uh, the only thing I will say about the way that this scheduling thing works out is it's a little unfortunate for Louisville to have to travel and play these two uh, decent teams, Penn and then uh, the good team in Princeton, ranked uh, at a neutral site where if Louisville was playing at North Carolina later this season, I'd say it'd be really great to get the confidence boost of hopefully a pair of wins, including a ranked win on that field before you go down there to play again. But they host North Carolina, so uh, really they just... <laughs> get to put themselves at risk playing two pretty decent Ivy League teams uh, on a neutral field um, with no benefit for it later. <laughs> neutral, air quotes. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's neutral for, I mean, the the UNC fans are probably rooting against Louisville, but not, yeah. not to the point where they're rooting, you know, based, based going on raucous what I saw, pin. there weren't anybody there rooting for anybody in that first match. It's yeah. like 15 the listed attendance there. Oof. Yeah, Penn didn't have many in there, and whichever students were staggering in after Thursday night drinking to watch this thing on Friday. Maybe 115 showed up. Maybe they didn't, but in any event. Uh, 115 uh, counting concession stand workers. Yeah, concession and, stand yeah. workers, you know, uh, the fraternities that gather the balls on the sidelines and yeah. stuff like That's that. That's only one-ninth of what was in uh, Federal Credit Union Arena. Yeah. And yeah. there were probably more people than 997. That's the listed. Uh, yeah, that's the listed capacity, right? So they they can... uh, it's about that. It's it's pretty close. So, yeah, so I don't was... think they can actually say that more people that that many more people attended than that. Yeah, yeah. In any event, uh, Justine Sowry was actually asked about the contest, and and Justine always tries to cover both sides of the issue whenever she talks about a game. We've noticed that for years in interviewing her, and once again, she was the same as she said. It's great to come away with a positive result, but we have work to do. For every great thing we did, we equally didn't do what we wanted to or intended to. Our decision-making against different pressure needs attention as we look for continual improvement. So kind of a both sides of the coin here, Jared. Yeah, it's the early season, so you're going to see plenty of room for improvement and as we've learned with Justine Sowery, she's always looking for ways to improve and get better. Uh, and she's not going to settle for good or great. She's looking for perfection. So that's a, a statement that doesn't come across as any surprise to me. Uh, and she knows that in order to be successful in the ACC, you can't settle for good. So she's going to keep pushing this team more and more. And it, it's tough. It's going to be a hard style to, to work with, but you got to be ready for the ACC. So I'm, uh, I'll just kind of sometimes take those statements and, you know, maybe take it with a grain of salt or something, not worry about it too much. But yeah, early season, you're going to see some stuff that still needs to be worked on and developed. Coach will do that at times, but certainly gives you a comprehensive look at what she thought about the contest. Uh, Jeff, I was very impressed with Sasha Elliott again. You know, it a couple of months ago, we were in a quandary on who was going to 10 goal for Louisville. Yeah. Uh, we, we get Sasha Elliott in from VCU, uh, certainly a, a very good and, and storied and, and well-decorated player out of that team in that conference. My question was, what's she going to do when she's in the ACC now? Uh, hey, my thumbs are up on her, buddy. Yeah, uh, I've certainly been, with what I've seen of her, I've been partic- I've been impressed with her. She's done well. Uh, I did not get to watch the game uh, the other night, so I didn't, didn't see it in action there, but I uh, have been out to uh, Lynn Stadium a couple of times and seen him play, and she's done a fine job in, in Nookum Lights. Um, uh, she's come in. I think she really kind of could be a big part of really saving this team because, you know, we talked about it. this was a big question mark for us coming into this year, uh, not knowing who was going to be in goal. Uh, and not even really having many people on the on the roster with goal, with that GK beside their name, uh, so you know to have somebody come in, kind of it, it feels kind of like last minute, even if it really wasn't, um, and, and step up and be a, a a great player in that in that spot is uh, it's been good. I, I'm glad to have her. She covered it well in Traeger, and it was a case I think here case of. The usual suspects stepping up for Louisville and getting the job done. Uh, 
Katie Snyder, of course, with two goals in this one, and certainly over her career here at Louisville, we've seen her score a lot of times and come through in the clutch for the guards. Uh, Amy Plum, one we always love to see get out there and do well, our, our Brit on the field, as it were. And then KS came in and got a goal of the season, her first goal of the season, too, and also played very well. Uh, although she, you know, did not score, Julie Kalweiser was all over that field and also had a nice defensive save on that one of the corner attempts that Penn put out there. So, uh, you know, it's a, a, a good effort for the cards on the road here, certainly playing a conference, which I don't think is quite up to ACC standards yet. But certainly when you play the number two and number three ranked teams in the preseason in the Ivy League and uh, the number one ranked team, Harvard, was the one that knocked you out of the NCAA tournament last year. Certainly maybe the revenge factor to beat up on the Ivy League was there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the field hockey is one of the sports where the Ivy League is actually not just a, a league where you're going to think you you can just uh, – roll out the balls and, and see what happens. Um, especially this this match against Princeton coming up tomorrow. I mean, they're the 13th ranked team in the country. So, um, it's definitely going to need to uh, not give up nine corners <laughs> in, in that one, I would think. Uh, as good as the defense has been at, at preventing the opponent from scoring on, uh, on those set pieces, the more opportunities you give, the more opportunities there are to score. Um, Sasha Elliott's been great, but she can't always get in front of the ball. Um, sometimes things are just out of your control, even if you're in a great position to make a save. And it clips off someone else's stick or, or any number of things can happen. Uh, I think we've, we may have seen something like that in that last uh, l- last flurry by Penn when, like you mentioned, Cowizer gets the, the defensive save um, for the cards. So a big one there. Amy Plum, I would say, has to be frustrated. She took three shots. She put all three of them on frame um, only came away with the one goal, but uh, one of the one of the shots that was saved did turn into a goal for the cards. Uh, but since it was a rebounded save, it's not uh, granted an assist for Plum, so she'll have to just take the the two points for her one goal. And like you said, um, Katie Schneider just efficiency is key. Uh, two shots, both on frame and both in the back of the cage. So uh, fantastic there, and I'm. I'm encouraged by the splits that we've seen from the offense and uh, not, not being so dependent on a single player, uh, but still would hope to see more. Um, don't feel like Louisville should have been out-possessed and, and out-shot uh, in, in this game by Penn, but it uh, could have been uh, just a matter of the, the many penalty corners that they took uh, inflating that, those opportunities. And then there was no doubt about this one in the second half about Penn coming in and fired up defensively as they, the cards didn't register a single shot against them in the third quarter. Yeah, no stats. I mean, they were the, yeah. the, the only thing on the play-by-play for Louisville in the third quarter is substitute. You're like, wow, great. Yeah, so it's kind of, you know, maybe it was a kind of a read-and-react situation for the cards. Oh, they're going to do this. Well, let's see if they continue to. Yeah, they're still continuing to do this. Yeah, well, oh, what, what, it's the end of the quarter? Oh, okay, well, hey, we still got the lead. Let's keep going. But uh, so certainly a good win for the cards, still undefeated, of course, and number nine in the nation. Uh, let's go back to Thursday where Louisville women's soccer Went to Harrisonburg, Virginia to play Memphis. Why did they do that, you ask? Because that's where James Madison University is in. The Dukes brought in several squads to play there both yesterday, or excuse me, what Thursday, and also we'll play again on the, on Sunday. As Louisville met Memphis down there, 23 in the nation, and Louisville beat Memphis 3-2 to two in a pretty exciting match as the Cards finished quite well in this one after a, kind of a back-and-forth match you know, early in, in this thing. Uh, you know, Aaron Floyd, a goalkeeper, impressing me quite a bit as she's getting the job done here. I think she's won the position. Uh, let's give the cards credit. They beat a ranked team on the road. Uh, who wants to start out on this one? Casey, you're, you're a big soccer fan. Tell us about this little win. Yeah, I mean, you come out firing uh, against a ranked team. 
Uh, Louisville really looking to rebound from um, a good opportunity that they had against Xavier last week uh, to get a, a ranked win at home. Uh, weren't able to close the door on that one. So um, they go to a neutral site for this game, really. Uh, <laughs> it's such an interesting situation. I think that it's a, like a joint event hosted by uh, JMU and, and Virginia because Louisville and Memphis played at, on JMU's field Thursday night while JMU was in Charlottesville playing Virginia. Um, the Dukes come home to get Louisville tomorrow and Memphis heads to Charlottesville to play Virginia. So kind of a weird little scheduling quirk there, but uh, it's going to work out for Louisville that they're not playing the fifth-ranked team so early in their season, and it's not probably going to work out for Memphis in that they may, they might leave the weekend 3-3. Uh, three and three. But their previous loss was against uh, Ole Miss, who's ranked 18th. So they had a 6-1 win against Little Rock. Not that that really means much, but then they beat Iowa State – uh, 3-0 and UAB on the road 2-1. So coming into this one, uh, Louisville really had some work to do. They scored early. Uh, Emerson Jennings scored her first goal of her collegiate career um, and held on to that for for about 15 minutes before Memphis was able to, to tie it up. Um, unfortunate, Louisville was really attacking in the, in the later portion of the first half. Uh, Would have loved to get another go-ahead goal uh, weren't able to do that and then came out in the second half uh, on the back foot. Uh, Memphis had a lot of the momentum uh, carried through from, from Louisville not being able to, to score at the end of the first half. And they took the lead in the 56th minute. And I was glad when checking back on the stats that they, were, they did not uh, fold on that. You go down to a ranked team when you had a bunch of opportunities, you couldn't score again in the in the at the end of the first half but uh just a minute later Louisville was able to tie that tie the game back up uh, Carson Cherry with her third goal um <laughs> coming out of the center back position which is a bit funny because I think that Sarah Hernandez when she scored maybe the most goals in a season of, of her career coming out of the center back position was three and Carson Cherry's already there after four games um but she gets she keeps her spot cemented uh, in second in points uh, behind Maisie Whitsett, who extended or kept her lead with an assist uh, on the Emerson Jennings goal. And then just a few minutes later, uh, Louisville was able to get that uh, win or get the go-ahead goal uh, from Anouk Denton, her first of the season, um, with just a, a fantastic shot there unassisted. And then they're able to hold on. Uh, really, Louisville got the m more opportunities to extend their lead late in the game than Memphis did to equalize. Um, corner with 15 seconds left is certainly nervy, but Louisville was up to the task, and uh, they escaped with a win against a ranked team, so you'll you'll definitely take it. You know, Jared, when you take a look at this women's soccer team and, and what they've been able to accomplish this year, there's there's a lot of veteran players in here, but we're really getting a lot of great production out of the freshmen and first-year players on this squad, even players that have transferred in from other schools to play for their first year. So it's uh, it's good to see that Karen Ferguson Days has a, a combination of both the experienced and, and the newer players on this squad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with some of the newer players, uh, Emerson Jennings has shown some bright spots already as a freshman and quite a bit of speed out there. Uh, so it's nice to see her get her first career goal with the cards in this last match and then as uh, Case has already highlighted some of Carson Cherry's accomplishments both as a center back but also finding ways to get the ball in the back of the net on the offensive end uh, is a promising sign going forward and some of these transfers that have come in have certainly you know fit right in already and uh, a nice veteran squad with some players such as Sarah Hernandez who's been a center back her whole career Raven Alexander who's been on that back line pretty much her whole career and uh Maisie Whitsett kind of bouncing her back and forth throughout her Louisville career but I'm kind of happy to see her back there as a forward and I think maybe she's able to guide some of these younger players on that offensive end uh, so a lot of veterans helping teach and train the new faces early on to help continue this program's success for the future 
one of the things, Jeff, that I noticed is that the cards got quite a few more actual shots than Memphis did in this contest. 11-5, to 5, but the Tigers were just a little more accurate, putting four out of their five shots on goal. Compared to Louisville, just getting seven out of 11, which still isn't a bad percentage, but the cards are active, actively showing a lot more attack capability, I think, at this time of the season than they have in, in past years. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I wonder how much, not being so much of a soccer expert, how much it it helps that you've got that more veteran back line and a veteran back line that certainly is not afraid of coming forward and attacking uh, in their own right as a support and uh, confidence builder for some of the, the younger, um, uh, you know, not discounting Maisie Whitsett up there in the front, but uh, the younger front lines uh, and giving them some support, uh, like I said, confidence building in that. How much of that allows them to be more confident in in, in going on the attack and pushing into the, the offensive side of the field a little more, um, you know, there's Memphis is a ranked team. I mean, they're a good team. They're in justifiably. Uh, and so they've got a lot of talent and okay. So you look at it and you say, okay, probably more shots are going to be unframed because of maybe a higher talent level or more experience. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's encouraging to see that really offensive and attacking mindset. I mean, it's fun to watch that, uh, in addition to, uh, at least potentially being, uh, quite an impressive, uh, quite a positive approach to the way they play. Um, and I kind of wonder how much of that, that more experienced backline really kind of feeds into that up, up in the front. So case, it certainly does not hurt at all to have a experienced backline in front of a freshman goalkeeper. And although I don't think that Aaron Floyd has quite the vocal direction capabilities of Gabby Cusellis, who had actually six years at the position, I do see a lot of plus signs in the positive for Aaron back there, who's kind of a cemented her starting role there and has done a good job for the guards. Yeah. Um, Louisville really has a, a big boon in having a super senior uh, at the center back position when you do have a freshman goalkeeper your freshman goalkeeper is going to struggle to to see the field a little bit from a collegiate level obviously uh, Aaron Floyd was pretty highly touted coming in so um, she's played the position well for a long time I'm sure she was vocal in, in high school but um, she doesn't know these players she doesn't she's not super um, confident you have to imagine with the scheme just yet uh, but that's going to come I imagine towards the end of the season, we'll, we'll hear a lot more from her. Uh, and I think once Sarah Hernandez graduates, as much as we don't want to see that uh, in, the, in the seasons going forward, I imagine that uh, Floyd will uh, be filling that gap. It's a bit like one of those situations where um, a lot of times a, a second child won't start speaking until much later because uh, you know, a firstborn usually talks for them. Uh, in this instance, Sarah Hernandez is picking up the, the slack on directing the back line, directing uh, some of the midfield, and, and keeping people in shape, um, really giving Floyd the opportunity to learn from that. Uh, and hopefully she can get more confidence and, and start to give that direction and uh, give Hernandez a little bit more freedom to to play and, and range a bit instead of having to be that um, yeah, that voice at the back line. I'm, I'm gonna boy, I'm gonna go completely off the rails here on a comment you made just a couple of sentences earlier about the second child not speaking much because of the first child does the speaking for him. It, it so happens on the broadcast today we've got four guys here who have only one other sibling, right? Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, let's, in my case, that's true. But older brother, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's take let's let's take older it around sister. the park. Then is that true, Jeff? Were you not very talking it because you're uh, I, I don't know about when I was a young kid uh, I certainly am uh, more reserved uh, and more quiet than uh, my brother um, I know people that listen to this podcast and see me at volleyball may be shocked to hear that but it is very true I'm, by nature I'm, I'm a much more reserved and quiet person than my brother is so uh, yeah there's probably some truth to that 
I, I can remember a case growing up because I was around him due to various events that I did with his parents. And you, you were quiet. I, I, I will identify with that case. You didn't say much. That surprises know. me since I can never shut up now. So. Yeah, and then all of a sudden <laughs> you, you came to the point of reason. I don't know what it was. Maybe the fact that you realized that, hey, I can talk, and my yeah. sister doesn't know everything. Yeah, Once I started all, talking, no yeah, stop. Well, now we can't get you to shut up. But, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that that was true early on in your your, your life because it's like, hey, look, hey, Chelsea's here. Oh, we love her to death. Oh, oh, yeah, there's a there's a case over there too. Go go say hi to him. He'll smile at you and wave. <laughs> Oh, so Jared, uh, being the oldest of two, was, is that hold for you as well? Was your uh, your little brother uh, the quiet Gus of the group? Yeah, I think probably the up through the first couple of years of even like grade school, elementary school, my brother is the more quiet of the two. And then uh, somewhere along the lines, that kind of flipped a little bit. And it's not that I became more reserved or quieter. It's just my brother became more outgoing than I did but a lot of that happens to run in the family uh, especially with my mom and aunt also being kind of on like the, the outgoing talkative side so uh, I'm assuming it runs in the genes and it may continue forward as even now I'm the more talkative between Katie and I yeah and being a being out of another older brother myself I can tell you that for the I would say probably first 12 years of my life, my older brother kind of dominated me in a lot of ways. And then all of a sudden I had that magical year where I grew like six inches and became taller than my brother and weighed more than my brother. And then basically one afternoon kind of had a showdown with him, whipped him, even though he was six years older than I. And at that point in time, the wheels kind of turned and I had the confidence then to say, hey, you shut up. I'm not shutting up anymore. Yeah, I, I do recall my brother's freshman year in college. Uh, he went to school about four hours away. And uh, the first time he came home in the fall, uh, he'd been, you know, a couple months, I guess, he'd been away for, for that and came home. And I greeted him in, in the front yard. When he, and as he got out of the car, he looked at me and his first words were, you're tall. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Dang, I can't beat you up anymore. Yeah. Say what the heck with that. Okay, how you doing here? Help me carry this stuff in. No, I yeah. don't think so. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Carry your own dirty laundry, bro. <laughs> That's right. You know, I'm not going to pick up your shoes anymore. That's good. What we got left to here to talk about here is a little women's basketball. We got a 22-23 non-conference schedule laid upon us, uh, which came down yesterday. So let's talk about that a little bit today. Cards, of course, uh, going to have a, I think it's a series of five games at home. It looks like it could be as much as, as many as seven on the road, but they're getting this thing kicked off early in November on a Monday night, bringing in Cincinnati November 7th to the KFC Yum Center. Uh, thoughts on this one, guys? Let's take it around the, the bases real quick. Jeff, what you got on this one? Uh, I'm, you know, honestly, I'm a little whelmed. Um, I won't say I'm underwhelmed, but uh, definitely not overwhelmed with the strength of this non-conference schedule. Uh, you know, there's a couple of teams in there that are that are probably going to be pretty decent that we're going to be facing. Obviously, Kentucky as a as a perennial, and on that rivalry matchup, they're they're always good. Um, DePaul, you never count Doug Bruno out. Um, he's he's a brilliant, you know basketball mind so you know occasionally we thump them pretty hard but then occasionally they come in and they really give us a game so that one and then cincinnati i think is interesting uh potentially potential some challenge there but otherwise these are not particularly strong teams on this schedule um i mean i love seeing bellerman on there but i don't think they're going to be particularly competitive with us uh yeah. so uh, it, it, i don't know I, it, we'll see what happens with the battle for atlantis dates uh who we get scheduled there and, and what the scheduling is um, there could be some good matchups there, uh, but otherwise I'm kind of, it's, I'm not super impressed with it. Now, to be fair, the conference, you know, ACC as a conference is a quite good women's basketball conference. So there's plenty of competition once we get into, co into conference play to kind of prepare for that March, uh, late March, early April sort of, uh, uh, postseason run. So, um, so I'm not too terribly worried about it, but I, I kind of was expecting a little more, uh, a little bit more in the way of some power teams here. So, 
And we don't see a Yukon in here. We don't see any West Coast powers in here. That's for sure. But just to run it down real quick before I get to you guys, uh, the other two guys about this one here. Like I said, we start the seventh uh, hosting Cincinnati. On the tenth, we host IUPUI. They are a team that did make the NCAA tournament last year. So I don't think you can overlook them too much. Uh, on the 13th, which is a Sunday in November, uh, we go down to Belmont to play at Belmont. Uh, well, where they're going to hold that one exactly in Nashville remains to be seen. I wouldn't think they'd play in Belmont's gym, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then we go to, of course, like you mentioned, the Battle of Fort Atlantis. We don't know a lot about that yet. That's the 19th to the 21st. We'll see what we draw there. Uh, Longwood comes to town on November 25th on a game that, uh, you know, it's a Friday game. It's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the start of Thanksgiving weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Am I correct there, guys? I think uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Uh, that seems about right. So we don't know exactly for sure what time this will be against Longwood, but I don't think the Cards will have much trouble against them. Uh, the one I'm looking forward to is Ohio State on November 30th at the KFCM Center as they will play on a Wednesday evening against the Buckeyes. Certainly always a fun matchup for the Cards playing Ohio State. We've had some thrillers there in past years, that's for sure. Uh, then uh, in December, just going through this pretty quickly, uh, Middle Tennessee at Middle Tennessee. Certainly a drivable game if you all want to make the trip down to Murfreesboro, a Sunday contest, uh, the Cards uh, I think we'll handle that one. Middle Tennessee isn't the strongest team as they used to be in past years, from what I've read. And then, of course, we, we end at the non-conference state. SIUE, Southern Illinois, uh, that, that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that should be an easy win for the cards on the 6th. Kentucky and Lexington on the 11th, a Sunday. And then ending up, as Jeff mentioned, Bellarmine over at Freedom Hall on the 14th. Jared, it's a schedule that's Got some potential very, very tough games here. Uh, and I didn't even mention DePaul, which is the 21st, which is a Wednesday, up in Chicago. But uh, is it as strong as you expected for non-conference? Uh, I think there's a, kind of a balance and mix there. Obviously, DePaul is the one, especially playing at DePaul, is one uh, for me that makes me nervous. Obviously, anytime you have a rivalry such as UK and you're playing at Lexington, uh, you need to be aware of that. Is uh, they'll probably fill up Rupp Arena fairly well for that mat or for that game. Uh, Cincinnati. I don't want to say I'm overly <laughs> concerned about, other than the fact that it is the season opener. So uh, plenty of time for Cincinnati to maybe get uh, prepped for that. Ohio State, you know, beat us a a couple years ago up in Ohio State in a game that was maybe a little bit of an upset. So. Uh, that that could sway either way, but yeah, as you mentioned, the, the Bahamas, depending who we get in our lineup, could potentially pose quite a threat. I mean, Tennessee is the team that we saw in the Sweet 16 last year, and gave us a couple fits. Gonzaga made the tournament; we beat them in the second round. South Dakota State's a team that I'm not sure I'd like to be matched up against. Uh, so it just kind of depends on the draw for the Bahamas. So that could help sway whether this non-conference schedule is pretty brutal or whether it could be fairly easy. Is that Kentucky game going to be at Rupp, or is it going to be Memorial? We don't know for sure yet. Okay. It, usually, guess, usually it's Memorial when we play there. I believe I think, that's where we played them last time, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think they like to put that game in Rupp because it allows too much red to get in there. The yeah, most it, recent time that we traveled where it came down to basically UK missed a shot at the buzzer for us to pull off the one-point win, that one was at Rupp. Was are, you, are you sure on that, Jerry? I guess yes. oh, maybe you're right. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's right, because, yeah, I usually was used to go into one entrance at Rupp to watch a basketball, and when I got to the entrance, they said, no, you can't come in here. And I'm like, but this is always where media has come in in the past. Well, that's not the case anymore. Right. So you're right. It could be at Memorial Coliseum. I yeah. think it's, part of it's going to depend on how Kentucky's looked at that point, if they're ranked, if they're having a yeah. good season, and what their fan base looks like. I just wonder yeah. if I look at their – website would reveal that we'll check into that a little yeah bit I, i'm looking at it right now they they haven't even put their non-conference games on their schedule <laughs> yet they only have the conference games and they don't list a location for any um yeah i would imagine it's tennessee early. would be a game that they could potentially put in there and they don't list yeah. it's at the yum center so i don't i don't know um, 
exactly what that will look like. They were doing construction up there two years ago, over there on uh, what I'll call the east side of Rupp Arena, which uh, necessitated us entering from the south side, which I'd never done before. And it was kind of interesting trying to find my way to the media room after that. So we'll see what happens there. But Casey, I, I'm looking at this early schedule. I'm going to throw it right out the bat here. I see a chance, a very good chance of us going 11-1 and one in these 12 non-conference games. Uh, the only loss I'm possibly considering is we may run into somebody down in the Bahamas that will beat us. What say you? Well, I think that there's probably – an equally likely chance of going 12 and 0 as there is going 9 and 3. Uh, there's just a lot that we don't know uh, about how this team is going to look this year, and we got caught by surprise to start the season last year. Not to say that Cincinnati might be a team that surprises us, but you know, Ohio State might be a big game. Um, I mean, it's going to be a big game. It might be, you know, pretty like a like a good team, and DePaul. They can always be tough, and that one's on the road. Um, UK on the road, that's not uh, an easy game, even if they've been a bit more down uh, and have lost Ryan Howard. But um, the battle for Atlantis, like you said, I think is is kind of the wild card. We'll see what Louisville's draw is there. Um, have to imagine they will make the, the championship game. They would win their first game, but uh, in the second one, um, it could be tough. I, I think that... I like Jeff. I'm pretty whelmed at the schedule. Uh, we've gotten really used to seeing a, a very big name pop up. Um, I'll be interested to see how many of these teams have numbers by their name uh, once the first preseason poll comes out. Uh, I think that could maybe slant how we feel about it. Uh, if only Ohio State is ranked, or if none of them are ranked, we're going to feel like this team, this schedule is is even more disappointing. But if you know, DePaul, Kentucky, and Ohio State are all ranked, plus one of the teams you play in Atlantis. Um, then all of a sudden you're like, well, uh, four ranked teams in the non-conference is, is uh, not a terrible uh, setup there. So uh, I, I think it's still wait and see, but um, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting schedule. I think the away games that aren't uh, Kentucky and DePaul, I think those are those are a nice mix. Uh, Bellarmine is not really an away game. It's a home game in the old stadium or the old arena. Um, Middle Tennessee, you've made that trip a bunch of times. Belmont, short drive as well. So a uh, pretty comfortable away schedule there, except for the two big ones. But uh, the home should be some pretty fun games for the crowd to come in. I think it will indeed. And let's hope that people will do flock down to this one. And certainly the away games are, except for, of course, obviously the one in the Bahamas drivable contest to go watch. So, yeah, good, good luck driving that one. Yeah, yeah, I think I could probably would make Miami and then it'd be kind of like get uh, you really fast and just skip across the water. <laughs> no, I'd have to have Jared driving, then. right? That, that, that would assure me getting there with a minimum of skips as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and roll into some final thoughts, guys, as we've uh, we've already reached and surpassed the noon hour. So yeah. We'll go ahead and let's go ahead and start it out with Case this week. Final thoughts, sir. Uh, not many. I'm I'm looking forward, like I said, to vacation. Looking forward to this long weekend and getting some stuff done around the house. And uh, hopefully, uh, Louisville women's soccer can you know buoy a ranked win um, into into more momentum going forward in the season. I'm excited to get back out and see them at uh, Lane Stadium next week. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Final thoughts, Jared? Yeah, Asia Durr posted just a brief moment ago that her surgery was a success, and she's appreciated all the prayers and support from everybody, and just happy to see that uh, you know everything's going smooth with her, and hopefully we'll get to see her back out on the court with the WNBA next season. Certainly so, because she's such a can be such a dynamic game changer when when AD is is on and playing well. So we're hoping that Asia Durr can get back out there and and be the Asia of old as far as production and excitability go for sure. Jeff, what you got? 
Uh, yeah, a few quick hits. Uh, good to good to have the extra weekend day, uh, Labor Day. Obviously, I've uh, been very busy at work, so good to have the extra day to kind of catch a breath on that. Uh, we did not get, you know, we didn't really didn't have the time to cover all of the volleyball recaps. We did have the Wednesday night game uh, at uh, Western Kentucky. It was a good game. It was a good, uh, good win. So we swept them uh, by the cards uh, against it's generally a pretty good team, although they, they played a little rough. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if they're quite the caliber of team that they were last year. But, uh, you know, it's good to see that going down there. Did make the trip down. Uh, and uh, otherwise, just excited for uh, getting out and having fall sports. I'm shocked at how fast time flies on a what's notionally an hour-long podcast when we have recaps to cover. Because... <laughs> tend to get a little bit long in the tooth at times, but certainly good information involved in it. And uh, At least, you know, with the podcast, we're no longer pressed to get everything done and over with by noon, uh, although that was quite a challenge back in the old radio station days. Gives us just a little time. If we go over five, six, seven minutes, you know, know, say, love you, whatever, it really doesn't matter because we don't have anybody pressing up against our show, so there you are no ads is begging to be run at the end of yeah. the, exactly. the end of the hour yeah, yeah. the, the radio remember. was non-profit so they were what sponsors not ads so, you know. yeah kind of sponsors i can just remember kathy holding up four fingers back in the control room saying, <laughs> yeah. you all have four minutes left and yeah. jeff and i are looking at each other and panic struck because we have three more things to talk about We're right gonna... okay let's move real quickly into yeah those were fun days, though, staggering down the steps into the basement of the hill. Yes. Yep. Uh, final thoughts for me here, just a, a, kind of a taking a look at, at what's going on in, in horse racing, as you may or may not know. If you probably know by now, though. I do love to follow the thoroughbreds, and they are back in Kentucky, but they are running at Kentucky Downs. And you're asking yourself, wait, what's this, Paul? What is Kentucky Downs? It's a nice little racetrack that they've built on the Kentucky and in and Tennessee border down in Franklin, Kentucky. This is a unique course in the fact that everything down there is turf racing. They do not have a dirt course. Everything's run on the grass down there. And some of the best turf trainers in the nation, and of course from Canada as well, have ascended upon Franklin, Kentucky to send their horses down for the limited meets that they'll be running at Kentucky Downs. They are running down there today. And if you've never watched it down there, it's kind of neat because it's not your conventional racetrack course. It kind of looks like, to be quite honest with you, a bobby pin as far as what the course design and layout looks like. And it also has hills and you go uphill down the stretch. So makes for fun racing and also equally fun trying to handicap winners in it. But uh, glad to see them down at Kentucky Dance. Uh, I know at one time there was a bit of worry about this track staying open, but it looks like they've worked out their financial uh, problems and done very well with it and certainly fun for me to watch. So, all right, uh, with that, we will wish everybody a good week and hope to catch you here next weekend, next Saturday at 11 a.m. on the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. Thank you.